Well, good morning, uh, everyone. Once again, I'd like to welcome you to our uh, City Builders online service. And if you've been joining us the last uh, few weeks, I'd like to welcome you back uh, to our own members, a very special welcome, and to those uh, that are visiting us for the first time this morning, it's great to have you with us. So let's just start by praying this morning. Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the times that we live in. Lord God, we uh, acknowledge our great need of you. We declare that you are Lord and God over our nation, over our city, over our region, and certainly over our own lives, we acknowledge your lordship. And we thank you for your supernatural protection and your provision. And also we thank you for the marvellous future that you have given us. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. So this message really flows on from the theme of Pentecost, which we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And the message is called The, Revol the Revolution is Here. There's so much going on around the world. 2020 will be forever etched in our memory and recorded in history as the year when everything changed. You must realise that we are living today, in this year, in a very fragile world system. This week, countless thousands are on the streets throughout the nations demanding change. And I'm the first to acknowledge that change is greatly needed. In fact, we pray for it every day. At the same time, there is something disturbing about what is happening. And there is a great degree of lawlessness taking place, particularly in the Western nations. Warning, if you have to demand change on the streets, then those that give you change can just as easily remove it from you when they get what they want. We need to know that the nations that God created, by the way, are bankrupt. When you begin to serve the wrong gods, eventually bankruptcy is inevitable. Today, the global debt is absolutely enormous. The US debt today is in excess of $26 trillion. That's 26 with a whole lot of noughts behind it. Australia is approaching 800 billion given that in 2007 we were actually 50 in the black. Household debt and consumer debt in Australia is staggering. The nations and individuals are in debt to the hilt. More importantly, the nations in my lifetime have become more and more morally and socially bankrupt. I believe this is symptomatic of what is going on in the heart of the nations and in the hearts of people. The discontented are looking for a revol revolution, but looking to the philosophies of previous failed revolutionaries such as Karl Marx. Quite frankly, Marx and his contemporaries never succeeded at anything, apart from the death of multitudes, millions, and untold su suffering and generational pain. But the, revel the revelation that we actually need is here. Firstly, I want to talk about this. Number one, the revolution that we need is coming down from above. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 34, or in chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 1, it talks about how Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and 
Daniel was the interpreter of that dream and he decoded the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. This, of course, is a picture of a stone without hands. But something happened here where the stone that was cut without hands began to shatter everything. And going on into Daniel chapter 1, verse 44, and it says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, and it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. This, of course, is a prophetic picture of Jesus and how God would send him into the earth to set up the kingdom of God on the earth. And the scripture says that of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was powerful in its day, but only for a season like the rest. And what seems like a long time in the context of life is a very short time in the context of God and of eternity. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men, but they cannot fathom what he is doing from the beginning to the end. Let me tell you that we are created by God. We are here by the providence of God, and we are also here for the purpose of God, and God has a plan And it is only when you really become connected with that plan and connected with the God in heaven that you can begin to understand what God is doing from the beginning to the end. Secondly, the revolution that is here is being birthed in revelation. The revelation of who Christ is. And this is our heart's desire in this church to make known who Christ is and to walk in a greater revelation day by day of who Christ is. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus went to the region of Caesarea Philippi with his disciples and he asked them, he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter, after, some, after Jesus zeroed in on him, got the answer right. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him on that answer and he said, Well done, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And right uh, right there, Peter's name was changed from Simon Barjona, which means a reed, and he changed his name to Peter, which means rock. And this is very symbolic of the change that happens on the inside when you come to the revelation of who Christ really is. So it's a revelation of who Christ is. It's a revelation also of who we are in Christ and understanding that we have an assignment in him. You know, it is good to remember where you came from. I remember where I came from. I'm thankful for my background, but I also thank God for the journey that he has brought me on. Because the scripture says this, that he has removed us from the kingdom of darkness and he has translated us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. And for that reason, it is good to remember that he has brought us out of a kingdom where we were once lost without him and without hope. 
and he has brought us to a place where we can begin to understand our future and work out our destiny in Christ. This morning I want to announce to you that the revolution that we need is here. In fact, it has begun. Jesus was the pioneer of a movement that changed the world. He was history's greatest leader. But the movement became a people's movement in the upper room. And this season of Pentecost is very significant for that reason. It's very important to us. It's very important in the Hebrew calendar every year. Very important to the church. But this year there is something special about this season. Something is happening around the globe right now that will definitely not be reported on the ABC. It is the transformation of the nations. Let me talk about the upper room for a moment. The scripture says in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 that they were gathered in the upper room. They were in the same place. They were gathered together and something happened there. God, the Holy Spirit, revealed himself in an unprecedented way in the upper room. And the known world was turned upside down in a day. In fact, on that day, there were 3,000 came to Christ, and in the next day, there were 5,000 came to Christ. The known world was turned upside down. It was a transformational event. It was so transformational that the 120 that were gathered in the upper room were changed in a moment. These had been the ones that had followed Christ faithfully and believed what he said. They witnessed his resurrection. Not only that, they saw that he, they, they walked and followed the risen Christ. But something so powerful happened in the upper room because that is where their lives became changed. I want to say once again that the Holy Spirit is the game changer. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is critical for us to be able to fulfill our assignment. The upper room was the, the epicenter. And I believe that God has called us as a church to be like the upper room. You see, the upper room is where it began because Jesus had promised. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Today we are geographically almost at the ends of the earth. But that prophecy that Jesus spoke to his disciples before the upper room experience has now become a reality in our part of the room, a part of the world. I believe that our church is called to continually return to the upper room because that is where the epicenter is. It is not a geographical place. It is a symbolic place where we begin to gather together and we begin to pray and we begin to lift up our hearts to God and we begin to look to him every day for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our own lives. And in that way, our own church can become an epicenter. It can become like a hub of divine activity, not only in our city, but in our region. And this is where we're going in the future. When Jesus poured out, he went to the Father, he said, I'm, I'm going to go to the Father, I'm going to pray him, 
I'm going to ask him and he's going to send you the helper. And that promise was fulfilled in the upper room. It was such a transformational event. And in Acts chapter 19, you read about how a community, as this message began to spread out into the regions, how a community, a handful of, dis of disciples, received the message. And they were upgraded to become the church of the living God. In Acts chapter, uh, in, in Acts chapter 19, you read about it. I might just go there just for a moment. Acts chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, just say that after me, some disciples, he said to them, Do you receive, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not even heard as much as there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what baptism then were you baptised? So they said, into John's baptism. Then John said, then Paul said, John indeed baptised with a baptism of repentance. And going on to verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. You know, this is an experience that happened back then, and a lot of us like to compartmentalise things in our mind and say, oh, that happened back there. But I want you to know this morning that this is the pattern for the transformation of nations. Right here, it's never changed. It is so simple that you could miss it. The times that we are in are times of cultural confusion and great uncertainty. But this morning, I want to say once again that the revolution is here and the movement has begun. The point this morning, we need to make sure that we have discernment and that we are part of the right revolution. You can get caught up in the wrong move. I want to give you an example in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Now, it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his crowds went with him, and it was a large crowd. Just say that after me, a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. Say that, a large crowd. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then she came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So, the dead, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. It's an amazing story about crowds, because there was a crowd that was driven by grief, but there was a crowd that had the answer. And I believe this morning that we need to make sure that we are so locked in to the crowd that has the answer. And we need to make sure that we are not hijacked and we are not taken off course. 
There's a couple of points that I want to raise to you this morning that will keep us locked in and keep us on target. Number one, to be part of this revolution that has begun, you must be born again and have a new spirit on the inside. You must be born again and you must have a new spirit on the inside. The scripture says it. It says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is referring to the moment that we receive Christ onto the inside of our life, that we are truly born again. Do you know that you can grow up in church and you can have an academic faith? But here the scripture says, or or it certainly says this in John chapter 3, verse 3. It says, unless a man is born again, he'll never see the kingdom of God. He can't enter into it. So something has got to happen on the inside. And this is the experience of being born again. I want to say this to everyone that's listening this morning. You must be born again and you must have a new spirit on the inside of you. Something happens when the spirit of Christ comes to live on the inside. In Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it says this, If Christ is in you, The body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. When the Spirit of God comes onto the inside of your spirit, the Spirit of God and your spirit become one, and your spirit begins to live on the inside. So this morning, you must be born again, and you must have a new spirit on the inside. Number two, the life of Christ that begins on the inside of you must grow and develop. The life of Christ that has begun on the inside of you must grow and develop. This is what has happened. The scripture says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit and now God has come to live on the inside of you. I want us all to know this morning that we're all made in a very special way. You know, in the Old Testament, the temple was a it was a tabernacle in the wilderness and then it was the temple in the city of God but now in the new testament you are the temple and I am the temple and we need a revelation of this Paul said to his disciples he said it twice in the uh, book of Corinthians in 1 Corinthians he said don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit if there was something that I would really like to get through to our people you know, to get through our old people and our young people and our little children is that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I found it hard to believe in the early days that God would want to come and live on the inside of me. But as I've walked with God, this has become like a spiritual reality where I just know that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit and that his spirit lives on the inside of me. So you can be self-conscious or you can become God-conscious. And becoming God-conscious is knowing that God lives on the inside of you, that God is happy with you, that you are forgiven, and now he's come to make your heart his home. This is the mystery of New Testament Christianity. This is God. Number three, it is Christ in me and you that is in the hope of glory. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, uh, 
It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the, men, the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, when this Christ life on the inside, when I get a revelation of who Christ is in me, my life begins to change. Do you know, a lot of people are looking to the government for change. And they're looking for different philosophies. You know, right now, uh, the, 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 the uh, movement that's spreading around the nations is pulling down everything. And, and, you know, some monuments need to be pulled down, by the way. But do you know what? It doesn't take much intelligence to pull something down. You've got to know how to build something back. And, you know, we are here to build up, not to pull down. But this morning, I want you to know this, that it is Christ on the inside of the heart, dwelling in each temple, in each living temple, that is the hope of glory. As we learn to walk with God, as we learn to fellowship with God, it's like he takes over. He takes his place in the temple, which is my heart, and my life becomes transformed from the inside out. This is a key to a sustained revolution. You know, this is the key to the, uh, to the kingdom that was spoken about in Daniel, the stone that was cut without hands. God wants to change the world, not from the outside in. It's all about what God has done on the inside of us. I want you to know this morning that the gifts of the Spirit are great. And it's great to have ministries and gifts of leadership in the church. But more importantly than that, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not outward behaviour, it's God on the inside. If I could read to you from Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. It's not about law, it's about Christ. It says this, In him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins in the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiveness, having forgiven you all sin, all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths or any other thing for that matter. Do you know what? We've all sinned, every one of us. But Jesus died on the cross for us. And, now, and the Bible says that he fulfilled the just requirement of the law. In other words, the law is fulfilled now by Jesus. And now we are born again 
And it is the Spirit of Christ on the inside of us. It's like, uh, you know, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is made alive because of righteousness. It's not outward behavior. Do you know this? We either rely on the Holy Spirit to get the job done, or we try and do it by enforcing the law. We are called to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So it's not by outward behaviour. Can I ask you a question this morning? If God looked and searched your heart, can he find his Spirit in you? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, whom is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, Jesus purchased you with his shed blood But when you invite the Holy Spirit in, you are sealed with his precious Holy Spirit. It's the down payment. It is inheritance in us. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit. And it is a revelation to your heart. Paul said this, It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. It is Christ in me and you that is the hope of glory. Number four this morning, as we respond to his voice, we are progressively being transformed. Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And it is like learning year by year to follow God, to hear his voice. I want to encourage our church this morning and challenge you to become next level believers. If you are a certain level in your faith and if you feel like you've plateaued, you can go to the next level. And the next level starts when you come to God and you begin to hear his voice again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. Sons of God are not ordinary believers. Sons of God are the ones that have chosen to grow up in their faith. It is like I said before, when you receive Christ, you are a child. But when you learn to follow him, you progressively become a son or a daughter. And this is what God is looking for in us. And this is what God is looking for in his church. These ones are the future revolutionaries. These are the reformers and these are the rebuilders of society. It is easy to pull something down. There's a lot of people pulling everything down, but it takes more to build. And we are called to build. That's why our name is City Builders. Listen, responding to his voice consistently brings you to sonship progressively. It is a sure thing. When we were born again, we became a child, but now we are learning to follow Jesus and step by step, we learn to hear his voice. We do what we can to be obedient to him, we follow him. 
And in that way, we are becoming true sons and daughters of God. This is very important because in churches, there's lots of believers. There's lots of members. There's less disciples, but that's good. We have disciples in our church. But sons and daughters are the ones that have chosen to follow God with their whole heart. It's like Jesus, when he went down to the Jordan to be baptised, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know that Jesus had choices like all of us, but he chose to follow. He chose to dedicate his life and he chose to follow his father who is in heaven. And this is what God's asking us to do. So responding to his voice consistently brings us to sonship progressively. It is a sure thing. And those that are adopted into his family, the family of God will eventually cry out, Abba, Father. Do you know the whole of the earth is waiting for this company? It's like believers that have become disciples, disciples that have become sons. And now the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 verse 19 that the whole of the earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Do you know what? I believe we've been in a time of lockdown, but there will be a time of revealing. And this is when the revolution really begins to uh, gather steam and momentum. The whole of the earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. These are like a par excellence company that have allowed the work of transformation to take place on the inside. You see, nothing much happens with ordinary believers. They just believe. But if we follow hard after God, do you know what is going to happen? The transformational power of Christ is going to be released in your life. Point number five is you must understand the significance of these three important events. Number one, your birth. I find this the most amazing time in history to be alive, where God is literally sweeping through the nations in a very special way. And I believe in the months and the years ahead that is just going to gather steam. It is amazing because God did not choose Joseph to be here. He did not choose Daniel to be here. He did not, prof he did not uh, choose the prophet Elijah to be here, but he chose, guess who? He chose you and he chose me. Number two, the second great event is the day that I was born again and the day that you were born again. Just so I can make this very simple for you, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus and he asked him about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. He said, you must be born of water and you must be born of the spirit. And I remember that day that that happened to me on our honeymoon in 1979, 41 years ago. Lynn and myself had gone away and we were grieving because of a tragedy that had happened in our family. And we were looking for something. And we found ourselves at a Billy Graham crusade. And at the end, there was an altar call. It's a bit like what I'm talking about now. And it was, we were offered the choice of whether we would follow Jesus in our marriage and in our future or whether we would go our own way. 
And my decision, I took my wife's hand and we led her, I led her to the front. And there we prayed the sinner's prayer and we found God. That is what it means to become a new creation. That is what the new birth is. The third most important event is that the day that you are baptised in the Holy Spirit. This is when, this is like when the Holy Spirit begins to come in and literally take over our life. In the upper room 2,000 years ago, 120 were gathered in the upper room looking to heaven for the promise of the Holy Spirit. God was true to his promise and filled that room with tongues of fire. Something happened that was so transformational and the shock waves are still going out into the nations. This is incredible. I really want to explain to you this morning this is such a powerful, life-changing event. And if there is a fourth event that is important, the next greatest day is the, the day you find the right people in your life to walk with. It's where you find your tribe. It is where you find your community of faith. And you know, that can be for a short time, but for a long time, but it is such an important thing. I'm so glad you've uh, been able to hear this word this morning, and uh, I just really want to pray for you that there would be a real impartation of the Holy Spirit in your heart. I really pray that in the days and the months ahead that you would really be able to have an encounter with God the way that I have and the way that so many others have had. Father, I just really pray for a supernatural release of your Holy Spirit into the hearts and into the minds of men and women who are listening to this message this morning. Father, I pray that this would not be a surface thing, but God, that you would begin to penetrate right into the minds and the hearts of every person hearing. I'd like just to lead you in prayer this morning, if I could. Would you repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross of Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will worship you all the days of my life. Because your word is truth, I confess with my mouth that I'm born again and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.